Good morning. Good to see every one of you here this morning. We are in John. We're in the 16th chapter of John. Down around uh, the 20th verse or so. But before we begin this morning, we're going to have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful this morning for the chance to come and meet together with brothers and sisters here at this place, and and we're thankful for your word, the revelation that you have given to us that is all we need for life here and life hereafter. Help us to look into that word this morning, Father, open hearts and open minds and embrace the truth that we see and apply them to our lives. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Last week, right where we were ending, it was the uh, disciples were talking a little bit amongst themselves uh, after Jesus had told them, in a little while you'll see me no more, and then again, in a little while you will see me, and they were talking among themselves. What does this mean? You know, he's, he's, we're going to see him, and then we're not going to see him, and, and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, and so he said, is this what you're talking about? So he was being very thoughtful and very gentle and trying to break this news to them about what was going to be happening. So that brings us to verse 20. He was going to start to give them the answers that they need, maybe not all the answers that they wanted, but the answers that they needed. So John 16, verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is in travail, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she is delivered of the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a child is born into the world. Have sorrow now. We'll see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take that joy away from you. What, what, does, what is he saying when he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice? What is he saying to them? Absolutely. Robbie's, Robbie's right. You're going to be sad because I'm dead, but those that are going to be responsible for putting me to death are going to be happy because they think they've finally gotten rid of me. That's what he's telling them. Um, And I like the fact that he says, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. He didn't really say it was going to, you know, happen miraculously or be replaced or whatever. Often we need to, it helps us to, if we experience pain or difficulty or sorrow because it helps to frame what real joy is. Uh, The example that he gives of childbirth to them, um, remember childbirth in their time. Um, What was that experience like in that time? Was (laughs) <laughs> I know, I know, and that's when I read it, I, 
us guys, have, us men, have never actually gone through that. But it's much as, uh, as much as God had said in Genesis 3 uh, to the woman, uh, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children. That was part of the response to the, to the sin in the garden. Keep in mind that this, again, was in their time. They didn't have any spinal blocks or uh, epidural blocks or analgesic uh, mixed with anesthesia. Or, I mean, there wasn't anything. It was the childbirth was as Jesus described. It was a, it was a, a painful event. But once the child is born, the joy uh, over the child is what is it is what comes to the forefront, not the pain and the deliverance. So as it was for the woman, it will be for the disciples. They will experience pain because of the death, but they will see them again, and it will turn their sorrow into joy, and a joy that, no, that, that I think it's interesting, it's a joy that no one will take, be able to take from them. It says in verse 22, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. So this sounds like a, a, a different kind of joy. The world often looks for its joys in the uh, absence of problems, in the uh, absence of any trials. Uh, it's a promotion of self-interest, and often it involves the downfall of one's rivals, but our joy is different. Our joy as Christians is different and should be different. And so I would ask, so predominantly I would say, appear to be Christians in, you know, washed in the blood, do you have joy? And what is that joy? What is different about that joy? No longer guilty. No longer guilty. No longer guilty. And that's really David kind of gets right to the core of it, as you so often do. First and foremost, the joy for us is knowing that Jesus is alive, just as he says for them. You will see me again, and your joy will be one they can't take from you. Knowing that Jesus is alive and risen from the dead brings us great joy. It should. No, no, it isn't just that, but it's all that goes with it, because as, we, as, as Paul writes in Corinthians, if he, did, if he wasn't resurrected, you are, the, you are to be the most pitied of all, because all the stuff you're doing means nothing. It's that resurrection that builds, that, that, that we put our hope and faith and trust in, and that's what gives us the, such great joy. And it's a strain that we, that we read several times. Just seeing him alive again. Uh, in Matthew, when, when the angel talks to the women that go to the tomb and he's not there, and he says, go quickly and tell the disciples. This is in uh, Matthew. He says, go tell the disciples that he, he's gone, Matthew 28. He's gone. He's risen from the dead, and, and he'll meet you in Galilee. And... So uh, they take off, verse 8, they depart quickly from the tomb with fear and with great joy. They ran to tell the disciples. In Luke, 
when Jesus appears in the, up in the room where they were all, it says, Luke 24, 41, while they still just disbelieved for joy, they wondered and said, he wondered uh, and said to them, do you have anything to eat? They were so astounded to see him alive again that they, they were just, I mean, all mouth gaping in joy. So uh, joy is, is just different for us. It's different because we know that Jesus is alive. It's the joy. There's a joy in the Lord, his salvation, his working in the lives of people, our lives. Acts 15 uh, says, So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, reporting the conversion of the Gentiles, and that gave great joy to all the brethren. In Romans 15, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing. And 3 John 4, which is one of my new favorite passages, no greater joy can I have than this, to hear that my children follow the truth. So there's this joy that we have. And, and it, it helped me to just kind of refocus on it. Jesus is alive. I'm redeemed. I'm going to spend eternity with him. We have trials. We have all kinds of issues and, and as we get older, <laughs> we have them with our health. We have issues with relationships. We have issues all the time. But Jesus is alive. I'm redeemed. I will spend eternity with him. And I have a covenant that I can build this hope on, a guarantee. And that gives us great joy and great peace. It should. It should. And it's awful when I stop and put it in that kind of context. If I have a bad day or two or three bad days, how can that overshadow a great and guaranteed eternity? Okay? That doesn't mean you go around with a smile on your face all the time. But your heart needs to be secure and in place because of the joy you have of this hope of eternity because you're going to be with God. And it is something, and it, yeah, when he says it's a joy that no one, could, you, that can't be taken away from you. Because we have scripture that says once you're in his hands, nothing can take you from him. You can leave, but nothing can take you from him. When I have a bad day, I can think this too Yes, yes, yes. Sometimes it, you want it to pass. <laughs> Quickly, <laughs> I hear you. Well, and that's that's just uh, I only bring that up because he, he he mentions it to them, and it helps me to to know to sometimes sit back and take a deep breath and understand. Uh, however long I have left, I don't know how long I have left. It, it could be tomorrow. It could be tonight. It could be twenty years. It could be whatever. I mean, but I know where I'm going, and that frames how you view everything in life. It frames how I got up this morning and drove here. It frames, It just frames everything to know where you're ultimately going. So that should give us great joy. Uh, verse 23, 
In that day, Jesus says, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask anything of the Father, he will give it to you in my name. Hitherto, you have asked nothing in my name, but ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. It seems to be, an, it seems to be a change here in the, in the, in the prayer. Uh, what, what is he telling them here? Asking in his name, in the Father's will, but being able to, you're going you're gonna to have this relationship now with the Father. Um, and it's an important change. When they petition the Father in the name of the Son, they're not going to merely receive an answer through the Son. They will, it will be through the Father. Through him. So, you know, Jesus was with them. They could ask him whatever they wanted to ask him. I mean, if they really believed that he was God or the Son of God, as he, as he said many times, if you know me, you know the Father, they can ask him anything they want because he's there. Well, now he's not going to be there. He's, he's not going to be there. So he's beginning to tell, you know, we have this relationship with, if I'm a, dipo- a disciple, soon to be an apostle, I have this relationship with Jesus, and we've had it for years now. And he leaves, and I do I pray to him? Do I pray to God? Is he not going to be in the picture? How is this going to work? And this is this is a really this is the beginning of that roadmap. You will talk to God, but it will be in my name through me. But you will have a relationship now built with him. And beyond that, I'm going to have an intercessory mission ministry for you on your behalf. My work on the cross is going to bring about this personal, intimate relationship between the Father and you, but I will have an intercessory role in that. And we know in Matthew 27 that veil was torn asunder. Hebrews 10, uh, I want to mark this down. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way which he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart full of assurance. So this, now we, we, we have this great high priest, which is Jesus. And we go through him, but we have this direct relationship now with the father and that's what he wants. Um, interesting thing here. Um, about this relationship with the Father um, and getting what we what we what we want, you know, we we come across these sorts of passages and we struggle with them. But I I want to I want to see if we can get a little deeper in that because it's it's simple to say, well, no, it doesn't mean that you just get whatever you want. It has to be in His will. And then the question is, well, what is his will? And so let's just look at that a little bit. Um, 
John 3. 1 John 3, and, uh, starting in verse 21. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And we receive from him whatever we ask because we keep his commandments and do what, he, what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. All who keep his commandments abide in him and he in them. And by this we know that he abides in us and by the spirit which he has given us. So, there again, we're talking about getting, receiving from him what we ask. But it's conditional on keeping his commandments. And the commandment here is to believe in Jesus and to love one another. And it goes back to um, having this right relationship with the Father. And if you have that right relationship with God, you don't have long, any, any longer, you know, you don't pray for selfish desires, but you desire to do what God's will is. And so we're going to ask for things that are part of his will. But what is God's will? Absolutely. And, and he never shrank back on that responsibility. No. And, and the way you phrased it is, is perfectly fits with what, how we will, well, how, we, how I frame it, how I think it's framed. What is God's will? Well, look at John 6, 40, for instance. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Or you can look at 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. Um, this is good. It's acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires that all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, first and foremost, God's will is that we should be saved. That's what he wants first and foremost. He wants us to be saved. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants us to be saved. So I don't know all the details about what God's will is, and all, you know, down to every little jot and tittle, but I do know that he wants us to be saved. So when we're asking for something in his name and we're asking for anything that will help lead us, strengthen us, benefit us in our salvation or or that will glorify God then we're we're going to get that answer because we're absolutely in his will if i'm asking for something that's going to strengthen my salvation we'll get that because it's his will that we be saved so i i know i'm in his will if i'm if i'm doing that um, to oversimplify it, if I if I want if I want all I want is what God gives, then He will give me what I want. If that's all I want, so it's a, it's a it's a difficult concept, but but it's in there so many times about if you pray, 
you will get what you ask for. Just understand that it has to be in alignment with God's will, and God's will is that we would be saved. So things that we're praying about that have to do with our salvation to make us more like he wants us to be, um, that's, that's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I wouldn't question that at all. Yes. And when we understand that, uh, we would want to please him. Yes. And and I cannot tell you how many times I uh, I asked. I, I don't get specific all the time because I know there. I have so many. I have so many weaknesses, <laughs> and they vary. Sometimes I'm pretty good at something, and then I'm not good at it. And so there's a lot of times that I will just pray, I just, I need to be more like you, more like you want me to be. Close doors that I'm heading towards that you don't want me to, to open doors that I need to walk through. Just help me in those ways to be more like you want me to be. I, if I start telling him how I want to be changed, I'm already off the mark. I ask him to change me how he wants me to be, not how I want to be. That's that's exactly the point. We make it our aim to be well pleasing to him, and. That isn't something that we should that we should be afraid of. It should be what we do. If we look at Paul, Paul had a desire. He was probably in a greater relationship with God than anybody that we have record of. Mm-hmm. But at one point, he said, "Let these things pass from me." Mm-hmm. He, he, he wanted. He, he had problems that he was wanting mm-hmm. to be removed. And that's interesting, and you bring up, he brings up Paul. He brings up Paul where he'd ask that, that thorn in his flesh be removed, and it never was. That was a case, as I mentioned, that's a case of me telling God what I need. In Paul's mind, I've just, I mean, I'm right there. If I just could have these removed, boy, I could really, I'd really go, whatever it was. The reality is, is that we have a, some evidence. It certainly could be that, that that Paul could have some issues with some with pride, because he mentions several times in his writings about you know I, I'm I'm I was the chief of this I was the this of that of this of that, and, or when he gets down to to the second journey and they're not going to take he's not going to take Mark because he bailed out on. And he's very, very strict about that. There's some things that he, he does. He gets contentious. Um, blew up Peter to his face with about, you know, dealing with a circumcision or not. So it could be one of those things to where if he had that removed, whatever it was, pride could, could have 
snuck in there. God knows that. We don't. And again, it's just a matter of I have to trust him. I have to trust him. And we have to keep that in mind with all kinds of serious things. When, when we've had some serious issues in our family, and you pray, I want this fixed. Well, what I'm saying is I want to wake up tomorrow and it's fixed. I want that child to be right back on the rail where they belong, or whatever it is, I just want it fixed. Without understanding that if you really put it in God's hands, he may know that that child needs to hit absolute rock bottom before they'll ever get the message. Is that what you're really praying for? Or whatever. There's all kinds of situations like that. If you have to trust God, he knows. And if you really, really are are wanting certain things to happen, the answer, he knows how to get them there and you don't. You just want it nice and painless and quick. I'm going to wake up in the morning and and everything's fine. It doesn't that way all the time. So you have to have the faith to be able to pray. You do your will to get us. And what is his will? That all should be saved. That all should trust him. That all should come to him. Whatever it is, get them there. And whatever it is could be some awful things. But you have to be prepared for that. If and you accept what happens because God has a reason for that happening, if you're trusting and relying in him. No, because there's there's too many I did things before I trusted him all the way that were damaging to me. That wasn't on God. That was on me. Uh, I did that. <laughs> To me, so um, you have to be careful with that. It, it's it's just the whole notion that when you're when you're praying and asking things and believing is said here in His will. His will is His will is all good. It's it's all good. We want you to be saved, and whatever that takes, that you have to be prepared for that. You know, David, I, I think sometimes we just need to, to pray that we have a better understanding of what God's will is for us mm-hmm. and go and search it out. Yes. Because he, he depends on us to search it out. Mm-hmm. He has provided uh, the message mm-hmm. in, in the gospel as well in all the Bible. Right. So the more I read it and the more I understand God's will is for me. And, and that's, that's almost a constant prayer. God, 
certainly better understanding. It is. Pray to have a better understanding of what his will is for us. I'm much better at crafting my own will, my own direction, my own destiny, my own future, and then trying to work with God and negotiate somehow where we can get there. It's, it's really, I don't know how to put it to you, and I'm not always there because it's incredibly difficult. It's like standing you know, on a bridge over this canyon and just jumping. When you're praying, whatever your will is for my life, God, do that. You're just, you're, you're, that's what you're doing. I don't, and I don't want anybody going out and jumping off of a bridge today, but it's, that's what it is. You're, you're, you're either trusting in him or you're not trusting in him. If you're praying these kind of prayers, do what you want. Let's, I'm in your hands, but you've already, is the safety net ready? Do you have the blow-up bag under there? And all, you know, if you've got all these other things that it makes sure that it's going to hit no, if you're, if you're praying for his will, understand that his will is that you be saved. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to spend eternity with God? That's number one. Do you want to do that? Because if you don't want to do that, number one, number two, if you want to spend, I want to spend eternity with God, but I also am really into this abundant life stuff here on earth. I want to spend eternity with God, but I want everything to go smacking good here, too. Period. I want all these thorns removed. I, you know, whatever. I want, if you're trusting in God, I want to, I, I am, as I get older, I'm so much more focused on eternity. I have a more eternal view of everything. Because it won't, it's not going to be that long. And really, no matter how young you are, it really goes. I'm just telling you. Um, I was young and dashing just a month ago. It, things go fast. And it is that increasing desire. I can't, I have so many issues in this life, I cannot fix them all. The one thing I'm working on is I just I want to spend eternity with God. That's what's got that's got to be my aim. And trust Him because that's His will. Trust Him to get me there. That's trust. That is that's trust. Verse twenty five. Absolutely. So it's not just a, I go to the bridge and I just jump. Right. And who, whatever 
Absolutely. And that almost seems contradictory, but it's not. God has given us mm -hmm. the, the evidence, the, the, the things that we can stand on. That's, mm -hmm. that's the rock that we can stand on to place our faith. Mm -hmm. And Michael brings up a very good point. It's not a blind faith. We have plenty of evidence to base that faith on. And you're right. We have so many Bible examples of ones that, that did that. And as we just concluded a study on Joseph, okay, well, that's great. I get great inspiration from Joseph because he trusted God and things worked out for him. Also, I don't want to be thrown in a pit. I don't want to be left for dead. I don't want to have traders come by and go, yeah, we'll give you six bucks for them. I don't want to go to prison. I don't want to, like, not fall for the wiles of some beautiful woman and end up. I don't want to go through all that stuff. I just don't. And that's where in, that's the rub. Yes, we want to trust him. Yes, we trust him with all, I trust him with all my heart. Except when I'm in the pit, my brothers threw me in the pit, and, and I'm going to die or worse. I don't know what's going to happen to me. Are you sure this is what? Is he sure this is what's supposed to be happening? And then doubt creeps in. You know, well, this is God's will. How can this be God's will? So, you're absolutely right. I'm saying, the, for me, the reality is, yes, yeah, I got all that. I got that. I got it. I've been reading this thing for 60 years or better. I got it. But living it is really hard. It's hard. No, it's not. And believing is seeing, not seeing is believing. Believing is seeing. But understand, he's people, these disciples that he's been with, he's, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, out. I'm gone. I'm, I'm leaving. And they're, they're starting, they're going to change, everything's going to change for them in a dramatic and drastic way. Uh, verse 25, I've said this to you in figures, but the hour is coming when I shall no longer speak to you in figures, but I will tell you plainly of the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that you, I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you because you've loved me and have believed that I came from the Father. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and going to the Father. And his disciples said, ah, now you're speaking plainly, not in any figure. Now we know that you know all things and needs, need none to question you. And by this we believe that you came from God. And Jesus, Jesus answered them, so do you now believe? The hour's coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered and every man to his home and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father's with me. I've said this to you, that in me you may have peace. 
In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So the disciples act like they've got it now, but do they? No. Does Jesus know that? Yes. But hence, uh, some of these last words in the chapter here. Um, I kind of did a paraphrase or something, just the way it seems to me. Uh, it would it would go like Jesus says, I, I know you really don't understand, and the level of your present belief is uh, not real impressive, but time will tell. There's a time coming, though, coming very soon, when you will all abandon me and scatter, hiding out in your own homes. You will leave me all alone, but I won't really be alone because the Father's with me. And the reason I've told you these things is not with the expectation that you would understand them immediately, but so that you will have great peace in the future because you will see how all of these things which I have spoken will take place, just as I said. And then you will see that all things are under my control and you will see that this tribulation of mine was purposed to bring about great blessing for you. So we have such a compassionate Savior here, and I think it's, it's really amazing to me uh, I, I, what he's telling them about this peace and, and why he's telling them these things. And it's like a, a prophecy, if we could put it there, you know, we put a lot of weight on the big prophecies, the Old Testament ones that are uh, that come true in the New, or or we go, uh, we're big on the Genesis bruises, heel crushes head, or Isaiah fifty three, uh, he was bruised for our iniquities, and 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 his chastisement is made us say uh, clean, and you know we're big on all of those. But if you stop and look at these smaller little predictive things and why they're done, Jesus tells him why they're done. He's basically saying here right now, this trial is going to come and you people are going to be scattered. You're going to abandon me. You're going to go to your own homes. And I'm sure, and we know later on, Peter, you know, several deny, no, that's not going to happen. But he goes ahead and tells him, I'm telling you all these things the way they're going to happen because they're going to happen real soon. And when they happen exactly like I tell you, you will, you will, your faith will be bolstered and you'll have great joy knowing that everything I said was true. Everything I've said was true. Because if I tell you this is how this is going to go next week, we don't have to, we don't have to go back hundreds of years and figure out if that was a, a prophecy for way over here. If he's telling him, if I'm telling you what's going to happen here in a couple of days, and it happens exactly like I say it, you will go, whoa, he really, yes, he really is that guy. And that's what he's telling him. Um, there's, this, there's times along the way here that he he's mentions things to them about what's going to happen. And this is, this is one of those times that he actually says, one of the reasons I'm doing this is to give you peace. Not to scare you, but, to, but you will see. And then there's other times, like, uh, remember where it is, where um, after Jesus rose, the disciples remembered when the Jews were bothering him, and, and, and he said, they said, show us a sign. He said, tear this temple down in three days. I'll raise it up. And they said, we've been working on this thing for 140 years. You're out of your mind. 
Well, he was talking about his body. So when he was raised, it says the disciples remembered that. And so it's these kinds of things that bring them great hope. We'll uh, finish up right here in just a We've got a couple of minutes. Uh, verse, uh, well, start, we'll just start. Um, no, we won't, because we start the 17th chapter, and that's a, that's a, a chapter of prayer for, for all of us. Um, so we won't break into that. But anyway, just uh, keep in mind that this next chapter is this prayer, and then after that, um, the action begins fast and furious to get Jesus to the cross. But, but when the disciples met with Jesus up in the upper room, it wasn't, uh, here, let's have this quick meal and let's institute the Lord's Supper, and then, oh, yeah, let's just do the, the towel and wash your foot thing and all that. All of the stuff that we're going through is in this discourse. He desired so much to spend this time with them in the upper room because he's got a lot to try to tell them. And it's stuff that they're, they can't fathom. They can't, they just don't have the ability to take it all in. Until the Holy Spirit really comes, it's my belief, until the Holy Spirit really comes, uh, they, they never, I don't think, ever really did grasp it. Is that what you think, Robbie? Until the Spirit really gets with these guys, they can't really grasp all this stuff. And we, and we loosely, and I'm guilty of it too, we loosely will pray so often, God, be, you know, be with me, be with us, be with us, be with us in this. He says he will never not be with us. <laughs> so uh, we need to understand that he is with us. He's right there. Right. And I wish it was as easy as that song, Trust and Obey, There's No Other Way. I, you know, when I look back across my life, I know, I know what providential care is. Yeah. You can look back and see it. The faith is being able to look forward and trust it. I can, Yeah, I can give you, we could do a week on everything. I can look back and go, uh-huh. But it's having the faith to look forward and go, he got me here. He'll get me through this. He'll get. He'll be on the other side too. Anyway, I appreciate your comments, and uh, and I look forward to next week when we talk about this prayer. Thank you.